What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's 1.47 a.m. in Situate, Massachusetts. And you're listening to Night Call. In Los Angeles, I'm Tess Lynch, and with me are... Molly Lambert. And Emily Yoshida in New York. I also wanted to mention that if you have any thoughts, questions, rants, ramblings, etc., you can drop us a line at 24046-NIGHT or email us at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us your night call. You can call during the day. Or night. <laughs> it's or allowed. Night. It's, all, it's all fine. It's always you night You can do whatever you, whatever you want to do. Um, so. Yeah, so this week uh, we wanted to start by talking about, which now feels like all things in uh, our modern era, like it took place five years ago, but we wanted to just devote a little bit of time to Elon Musk's um, obnoxious space adventure. <laughs> Elon Musk's space car. He launched one of his tes- Tesla cars into orbit around our planet, which is Earth, for those of you uh, who aren't sure about that. Uh, <laughs> And, um, and, and I feel like there was a lot, and because of this image of the car orbiting the earth and the guy in it, like, it just feels like that was the stunt, but people are trying to insist that it was actually like a more significant rocket launch for other rocket related reasons. Um, it was like, they, I'm not they really launched, sure what those are. They launched like three things at once. And, uh, that was one of them. What were the others? Right. The others are like a regular SpaceX rocket. And a couple of, I think one of them didn't work, or maybe that was the last one. Um, but people get very mad when you criticize SpaceX. Oh yeah, you can't. People get SpaceX. so nobody to 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 use a a, a broism or like a 
obnoxious trollism. Like nobody capes for Elon Musk like the worst bros on the internet. They are, he is their damn soul and they are always coming to his rescue to make sure that nobody says anything mean about their their boy because they're uh, dreaming that one day they'll be able to afford hair plugs and be able to launch a car into space right yeah. ouch yeah everybody burn. i mean who who doesn't who doesn't want that uh i saw some i think because i was searching for stuff about the rock and then i twitter searched elon musk and you know people are always doing like quote pictures like a picture of him with some you know apparently brilliant quote that he said and I'm totally paraphrasing, but it was like some story that he was telling about how like when I was a child, I was afraid of the dark until I realized that like the dark is just an absence of photons and there's no reason to be scared of an absence of photons, which is just like I if that's who you want to be in your life, it's like that's like the mo- most boring future like it's just the most like absent of poetry interpretation of events or something and to like yeah, laud like that as being the opposite brilliant. of like a carl sagan quote You're exactly like, yes wow exactly. this makes me feel like i'm watching paint dry yeah it's it's like oh did you know that the universe and the cosmos are actually more inert than you uh previously su- suspected great it's all controllable and you can you know probably monetize all of it yeah exactly um, you're the god of space and everything is under your control with your giant stupid brain yeah and your stupid rocket that you keep dicking into space <laughs> what would be like an exciting thing you know what would be a better thing than a car to launch into space to get your attention a boat a boat (laughs) do you remember a while ago there was um i wrote about this at grantland i remember that um the chiptune band on amanaguchi put a piece of pizza into orbit with a camera uh this is like a while ago it's actually kind of mesmerizing footage it's just like on a weather balloon so it's not really a rocket launch um but they still had that kind of curved earth view with a pizza pizza with a piece of pizza floating with a pizza pizza <laughs> a pizza pizza um, <laughs> that was pretty that got my attention um but molly you were you you pointed out very accurately that this is like a very 50 like the whole image of the car in space is very 50s like 80s 50s well it's very weird the that they're simultaneously trying to get us into driverless cars and then also being like a driverless car in space <laughs> Um, the messaging is very mixed. It's very mixed. I was. I think there is also like there are certain people. There's like a Seinfeld episode where George Costanza is like, "We were promised flying cars. Why don't we have flying cars yet?" And uh, I don't think I want flying cars that much. That's basically like drones that people can ride in. Well, we were yeah. also just saying as if driving's not kind of hard enough. I mean, it's already quite dangerous in case you haven't so it's like well yeah. let's take two dangerous things and combine them into a fantasy of like road rage in the air with like all these drones like you know you're dodging drones like they're squirrels on the road all um, of a sudden i will also say that my uh boyfriend got kicked off twitter recently for an old tweet <gasps> he had where he said uh i hope elon musk gets murdered by a driverless car <laughs> Got him booted off Twitter. Seriously? Yeah. Wait, and it was an old tweet? Yeah, it was like some some Elon Musk head founded a muskrat. And I was like, wait, you can't do jokes like that on Twitter? Like, that doesn't even seem harsh to me. Is that weird? Like, yeah, I, the, the language thing is so murky. Like, I think you can't say, like, I'm going to kill Elon Musk with a <laughs> flying car, an automatic flying car. Uh, please don't please don't edit out that thing that I just said. So it just says that. Um, but I, th- I, I don't know. The saying I hope thing. I, I have well, no idea. Well, it's also like that, that, that other fl- uh, driverless car guy did get killed by a, a driverless car, which is why. Who? There was like a billionaire who's like was all into driverless cars and he like took the first ride on a driverless car and he was like watching Harry Potter in the back seat and got like crushed by a truck. Whoa. So I that is why I am afraid of driverless cars is that being like, oh, just trust the technology seems like a very uh yeah. not something I'm gonna do, you know. But it's like all a- photons. Sorry. It's just the absence of photons, you guys. Don't um, be scared. Um, Emily, we can you logic talking, our way out of it. Emily, you were talking about uh, the end of Greece. That this was your immediate uh, Wait, go-to. Oh, yeah, there's like five things that this is echoing, and you mentioned 
um, Back to the Future, which obviously, like, you know, the flying DeLorean. I feel like the Tesla is basically like the the teen's answer to the DeLorean. Yeah, like, except a DeLorean so much cooler than a Tesla. Yeah. There's a DeLorean that drives around our neighborhood, kind of like halfway between Molly's and my houses, and I've been known to follow the DeLorean. Oh, they're so they're so great because you know it's um, going to the past out of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't need roads, but. Uh, uh, no, what was the other thing? Okay, so there's that. There's, oh yeah, the end of Repo Man, where they don't go into space, but like there is an alien that's like in the car and they just fly over Los Angeles in a car. I think it's like, um, it's a Malibu. It's like an old Malibu. And uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a great uh, iconic ending. And then the end of Greece, which I don't know how you guys forgot. This is like one of the only things I remember about now Greece. Now that you is that say it, it, I can picture it, but I yeah. never thought about it as like that they're in a car flying away. Yeah, they're like at the fair and they're doing the hand drive or whatever. Everybody's doing it and they get in their car and they drive off into the sunset, except the, they drive into the sun, rather the sunset, apparently, because they like lift off from Earth and everybody back on the ground is waving up at them like they're dying or something. Uh, I it's have very, no memory of this at all. I think what Emily yeah. is saying is that the movie Greece entirely takes place in like a San Junipero simulation of yeah. the 50s yeah. and 60s where that everyone's would make actually it an alien. All make more sense. Yes. It would because um, everybody acts really weird in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Everybody just looks like like this is what teenagers are. Like This is what 35 year olds dressed yeah. as teenagers <laughs> from an old time look like and behave like. Oh, also um, that now now if I'm doing word association or ending of things association, then it's also quoted in the video for it's oh so quiet, but without a car. Um, Bjork just levitates above the ensemble of dancers. I um, mean, sending Bjork into space would be way cooler. She came from space already, or just yeah. returning her. She's just going <laughs> home. <laughs> Bjork, go home. Uh, I think. Call her I, at Bjork, <laughs> I think that's Sorry. the thing. Is like, it's not even that we're against a car in space. It's just like, what an uncool car to send into space. You know, it's such a branding exercise. Well, like, what car would you send into space? Well, I was hoping you'd ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would send like a beautiful, like a uh, lowrider is what I would like to see in space. I think there's actually a comic about lowriders in space. Really? Yeah. But that, you know, like a beautiful space age car with fins. Like we, yeah, fins, yeah. Because yeah. it could go faster into space with the fins. Because it would look it's cool. not how space works. Because it would be a cool image. You know, I'm not I'm not such a fun killer, although obviously I'm That'll like just remind me of the credits money on for Third Rock from the Sun then. Oh, yeah. That is also <laughs> true. Maybe, I think we just all have this dream of there being like a car, an old timey car in space. And so a Tesla, you're like, oh, what does it do? It gets like good mileage in space. I just find it's not polluting space. Yeah. I think they're just such boring looking cars that I don't understand them at all. They are the Christian Grey of cars. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I saw that movie and it was amazing. Um, And it was like a long car commercial. There was a whole scene that was just about driving a car fast. Tess, what car would you like to send into space? Oh, well, I'm glad I would probably send like a, a Volkswagen thing or something. You know, it would have to be like the strangest car so that if it did, if aliens were watching, they'd be like, whoa, like that's what everyone drives on Earth. And then they would imagine us as being hippies from the 60s. But, you know, <laughs> maybe to them that would yeah. seem innovative. I don't know. I mean... I have a VW bus. Yeah, like a bus or like, I mean, honestly, like a Winnebago. You should send like an RV into space. (laughs) And then they would just think that that's where we live. We're just like, I can totally see it with like a satellite dish on its roof and everything. Exactly. We're going to have to send RVs into space soon anyway because we're going to run out of Earth. Yeah. I wouldn't send a car at all. I wouldn't send a car at all, guys. I would send public transportation. Oh, a space bus? Space bus. Or a space train. Or a space bullet train. Yeah. Space yeah. subway. The Acela Express already looks like it came from space. Yeah. Just send it right back. Yeah. It's really like streamlined. I like That's your a good guys. Train. What about like an old timey bicycle in space? One of those ones with <laughs> the big wheel a velocipede. <laughs> space velocipede. Um I also saw the best meme I saw about this was just like, hey, you know what's cooler than a car in space is recognizing your workers' attempts to unionize. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so funny. Because Elon Musk won't do that. 
Um, also, there was a, I think I sent you guys, there was an article in maybe Jalopnik about a man, a rich guy who was boasting on Instagram. He was like, I'm going to paint my Aston Martin with moon dust, actual moon dust. I've got a piece of moon rock. They're making it into dust. They're going to paint the car. And Who's they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess the writer of this article was like, I am going to investigate because it's illegal like the all of the moon rocks are accounted for, I guess, and an ounce of moon rock is a million and a half dollars, and he would need at least three ounces of moon rock to make enough dust to cover his car. Maybe he meant moon rocks like the weed. Yeah, <laughs> isn't there a type of weed that's like pure THC that's called moon rocks? I, I wouldn't know, but yes, there is. But I think it's actually just like resin from any kind of weed that's like you know little hash crystals or something. I mean, if you paint your car with hash crystals, you're probably gonna feel like you're in space. This is what I would say. I thought you were gonna tell me about a different thing that I also read about, which was that guy who built his own rocket. This guy, Mike Hughes. Do you know what I'm talking about, no. anyone? There's a guy whose name is Mad Mike Hughes. That's what he goes by. And he keeps doing these publicity stunts where he builds his own rockets and he says he's going to launch them. Um, and some people I follow on Instagram went to the launch, which was like in the desert somewhere. Oh uh, and everybody was commenting on this guy's Facebook page like, you're going to die. You're going <laughs> to die in this self-made rocket. And like, you're an idiot. And he was like, whatever, I'm going to be in space and you're not. So like, <laughs> check it out. Um, and the rocket launch was not successful, but no way. but he didn't die. Huh. He is alive still. Uh, did it? So he so can try again. Yeah. How big are these rockets? It's, so they're big enough to hold him. This looked like what uh, I remember the the filmmakers of Apollo 13 referring to as a vomit comet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Poetic. Like the it's, thing. Well, the thing that you. Yeah. The the method they use for getting zero grav in movies and just like the first rockets that were just like yeah. big enough for tin like cans. a person yeah. they're tin cans and they like go up and come back down hopefully yeah. they come back down <laughs> as we oh talked depending about depending on who's week. in them don't ban me from twitter <laughs> um no. but uh yeah you know i think uh what bothers me about elon musk is like don't privatize space yeah all these billionaires yeah. already trying to privatize all the beaches don't you can't have space give me space yeah. that's my beach Space yeah, beach. why is it that I'm so much like more into like, you know, pouring money into a space program if it's actually like a government funded space program than a, than a private one, even though both are maybe not our top priorities right we're now. Laying the groundwork and, for when we all have to leave Earth and only the rich people get to. Yeah. Like in the Martian Chronicles. Also, yeah. of course, there's no reason. We've never been given any reasons to mistrust <laughs> billionaires who want to take things and for themselves and ruin them. Like, yeah. I mean, all these Silicon Valley guys just seem like they're such Bond villains, you know? Like the way that they conduct themselves and brand themselves. I'm like, don't they realize how scary they are coming off? And it's like, no, they don't because they have no self-awareness. Yeah. Because they think being like photons, the absence of photons is a relatable. Then again, in defense of that, though, I mean, I would hate if if I became a super rich and famous person and people were like memeing all my thoughts. Because they what if they just chose? I mean, if you just are pulling things, that like, wasn't my best. Yeah. <laughs> also, if there was like a crazy lady, we'd maybe be more into it. Oh, if it was sure. like if there was like a lady, Elon well, if Musk. Barbara Corcoran were like, I'm gonna go, you know, with all of my Shark Tank entrepreneurs and colonize space, I'd be like, hmm, maybe Barbara, maybe. maybe. I'm fine with all the rich people being the first in space as long as they go first. You know, yeah, you know, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> we know. Uh, sorry, speaking, I stepped on your segue. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, speaking of millionaires, possibly evil, or what am I talking about? Millionaires. Speaking of billionaires, possibly evil, the evil variety. Um, this is a little bit late, but we had a we had a hot group chat uh, chat about this. Um, stemming from the death of the founder of Ikea, whose name I'm going to find in like two seconds. Oh, I thought you were going from evil billionaire straight to the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we could do either. Um, Let's talk I about mean, grocery stores first. This and is Ikea. The, 
This is the hot content everyone's been waiting for okay. from Night Call. Right. It's for us to talk about uh, the apocryphal Nazi origins of Ikea oh, and I just Trader Joe's. I yeah. just found the best... Uh, I just found the best uh, factoid. Okay. Read the um, factoid. Uh, so, so speaking of billionaires, um, the possibly evil or maybe very definitely evil variety. Um, this is a little bit late, but we had a discussion about this uh, a couple weeks ago and felt like it, we needed to take it to the pod. Uh, uh, t- t- about the, Starting with the death of Ingvar Kamprad, the founder of Ikea. One of the richest men in the world. Um, he died at he died at age ninety two. Yeah, he he looked to be very old. And um, around his death, people brought up the uh, fact that had been reported, I think, a few years prior, um, that he had been in like a Nazi youth program um, as a kid. And then also, I mean, had been like vocally supportive of Nazi policies all the way up to like two or three years before the founding of Ikea, which was like in the 40s. Ikea has been around for a really long time. Wow. Um, uh, Yeah, it's sort of wild. Um, And I did not know about this before this was brought up. I missed it the first time around. Um, And it made me it made me. I had been spending a lot of time at Ikea that week because I was working on a project that required me to pick up some stuff there and, you know, um, just sort of marvel. And I I always like, whether it's like Ikea or Disneyland, like really big places where they have a, they have a kind of um, protocol for how you go through it. And it's been really, you can tell it's really been managed down to like every single step you take. Yeah. So I always find that interesting at IKEA, like how they landed on this particular system. There's a way to go through IKEA that is that makes your life easy, and there's a way to go through it that makes your life miserable. And they definitely want you to choose the former. Um, so the answer I, to the question being fascism is not a huge surprise, I guess. No, no, not at all. Um, but you know, it's sort of. I I I actually think that I I I don't have I'm, a lot of people have like an allergic reaction to IKEA and I find it somewhat calming so that makes oh, me worry IKEA. about myself. Yeah, uh, <laughs> doesn't everybody find fascism calming? That's the whole. It's what's scary about it. Right. Everybody likes you being have, told like what to do and where to go. Yeah. Yeah. There's also yeah. something about you know the IKEA experience of like. You're in and you're going to you're going to have to eat there, like having the cafeteria with all of the reminders of the cafeteria. But then in the cafeteria, there's like the one thing you get, you know, because I've tried a few different things from Ikea, but it's like you're really going to get the meatballs with jam on them, which seems like such an odd thing to like watch a ton of people eating meat with jam in the middle of the day in a huge shopping center. But you're like. This is the experience I'm supposed to have. Stuff like that, too, actually also does freak me out about the idea of space colonies, because, like, as soon as I get in there, I want out. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, even if they put everything, I feel the same way about, like, big airports and, and like, casinos. Mm-hmm. It's like, even if they put everything I could possibly need, including, like, greenery inside of a indoor space, it's still, I have to get out, you know? Yeah. Um I loved the Ikea in L.A. in Burbank, um, and then they moved to a larger, giant building, and I hate the new one. Wait, um, the, they did? Yeah, Where's they the moved, new one? They moved across the they street, They moved to basically. a made-up street called Ikea Street, um, <laughs> and it's, like, just this giant, scary monolith that, like, you have Most to Ikeas are on Ikea ways or Ikea streets or something. Yeah. It's like how Apple is on like one infinite loop. It's just such an enormous thing. They have to build their own street for it. Well, I realized um, that the only reason I really liked going to Ikea was because I could then like trick people into hanging out at the weird dead Burbank mall next to it and like oh, yeah. go to like Old Town Burbank. Um, although Burbank is weirdly a alt-right hotbed. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, it's like the center of where alt-right people are in L.A. There's like some alt-right podcasters or something, <sighs> which I, again, I'm like, oh, you know, that weird kind of 50s quality. Yeah. You know who likes that? Yeah. There's a lot of my I have friends who live in uh, Burbank who are not alt-right and they claim that it's getting more progressive. But there is a kind of like Mayberry vibe where your neighbor like one of my friends who lives in Burbank was um, received a, a letter that she had been tattled on for like the fact that her sprinklers partially sprinkled 
the the sidewalk and not all of the water landed on the greenery. So oh she was God. wasting water. But it's like, you know, she had done xeriscaping. Like she's so anxious about have you know, not being like, you know, just having this appearance of being it's a like, con- conscious a scary person. Suburbs it's, it's a scary like, suburb. Everyone's watching each other all the time. But there's a lot of those in LA. And it's too also like so defined by the presence of Disney, I feel. Right. Disney um, and IKEA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Ikea. Disney and Ikea, the twin pillars of Burbank. Also, I feel like, I mean, it's, it is like, because it is um, that 50 suburb that is in the Los Angeles area, it also becomes the 50 suburb of the mind because it is like, it has been uh, immortalized in that way. Like, you know, from right. everything from like well, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and and so it feels, you know, weirdly, like, if you're going there, if you're attracted to some idea of Ikea, it's both what Ikea actually is and also what it is on screen. Well, Burbank but. also has that weird quality of kind of going up. It's like flat and then it ends in a mountain. So it kind of looks like you're on a soundstage and yes. Ikea is very yeah. close to it that It has mountain. a backdrop. Yeah. It's very yeah. Truman Show. It is very Truman yeah. Show. It very is like, oh, well, Truman Burbank. That was his last name. <laughs> exactly. There we yeah. go. <laughs> Guys, um, we're solving a mystery. <laughs> so we, we when we were talking about um, Mr. Comprad and Ikea and the weirdness, the, the both, you know, somewhat comforting and also troubling experience of going to Ikea. Then we also um, found that he wasn't the only um, uh, possible Nazi uh, alleged. I think we have to keep these as alleged yeah. for some people um, that owns a uh, owns a, a an empire with a presence in America um, and somewhat heartbreakingly. We saw the, it's still like a, it's, it's not, I feel like it's not, well, whatever. Somebody want to talk about Trader Joe's? Yeah. So Trader <laughs> Joe's was started by Joe Columb. I'm not pronouncing it right. In California. But then it was purchased by one of, um, a pair of German brothers in 1979 who um, had started Aldi supermarkets and then had split into Aldi Nord and Aldi Sud. Um, after they argued about whether or not to sell cigarettes. So I guess Theo Albrecht uh, bought Trader Joe's and he had he it from Wikipedia. I think during World War Two, Theodore was conscripted into the Wehrmacht where he served with Rommel's Africa Corps in an army. Oh, division. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, side note, not having to do with him um, having served in, you know, with the Nazis, but he was also kidnapped apparently and held for 17 days at gunpoint so he was really really he got really reclusive like the whole family became very private and very reclusive so i think it's it became harder to discern if he how he felt about you know his past which makes it even more mysterious (laughs) i mean have y'all ever been to an aldi no oh my god well aldi is like totally aldi is like you know how everything is just so cheap at Ikea, especially the food stuff. And it's like, am I, I feel like I'm in another country right now because the, it's just like the, the numbers are not even computing to me as being anywhere near correct. Like I shouldn't be able to have a plate of meatballs for $3 or whatever it is. Um, that's sort of how Aldi is. Aldi is like so dirt cheap. And that's like why they were successful is that right. they managed to be cheaper than anybody else by a wide margin. That's how Trader uh, Joe's is too. It's cheaper yeah. than every other grocery store. Although but, having worked there, the reason I was given as to why that was true is because they like own their own transport trucks. Mm. And part of everything being the Trader Joe's brand is because uh, they don't have to pay for someone to like transport from whatever right. company to Trader Joe's, which is why they claim Regular grocery stores have such high prices because they have to buy like the name brand. Yeah, there's products. no middleman. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what do you know? What what what? It. Now that you have experience from the inside working at Trader Joe's, does any of does this revelation make anything make sense to you? 
Well, again, I think there's a weird sort of, I mean, an unforeseen connection between 1950s tiki culture and Nazis, as we all learned when the Nazis... That was like the sixth thing I would have expected you to to bring up. Well, remember how the Nazis did, when when they did their their scary march? uh, Yeah, yeah. Tiki torches. Tiki torches. Was there a connection with tiki torches before then? No, but I mean, (gasps) this is what I've learned about Burbank is like, People who are very nostalgic for the 50s are generally uh, into white power (laughs) because there's like this weird, you know, like the past of the mind that they're all into, that they're like, things used to be great. And then like modernity ruined everything. So like, you know, there's like kind of rockabilly overlap with uh, white power stuff in Orange County. Um, So finding out there was a connection to Nazism and Trader Joe's was maybe not as surprising, although I had assumed that it was just founded by some guy into tiki stuff, which it was. But then he sold it. He sold it. Yeah. To yeah. the Nazis who came knocking. But I mean, it was also interesting in our group chat because we had, there was something negative to find about every grocery store. That's what we found out. We were like, yeah. are there any that are safe? I mean, there's, there's kind because there was a big dust up a while, you know, a few years ago with a natural food store out here, Lassen's. And I know we were all pretty bummed that Lassen's was pro prop eight um, because they are run by Mormons and they faced a big backlash over that. They're pro-life. Yeah. I don't know. They, they, they gave money. They gave, um, they, they, they donated to the, the prop eight campaign. Yeah. Yeah. The family did. Um, they will notice if the Southern California residents will, will notice that Lassen's is closed on Sundays. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, I did not yeah, know for that. the Lord. Weird. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, looking into sort of all the grocery stores, uh, it's not super surprising that a lot of them are really exploitative. And uh, well, yeah, they're all like union busting and yeah. like nasty in that way. Uh, I mean, also, but this is the thing that that I I grapple with is that I feel like whether well, so the the guy the 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 former Nazi who owned Trader Joe's is he's no longer with us. He is dead. Um, I don't, I, I think his son it now owns it. Um, I, and we, you know, because they're so reclusive, we have no idea how they, how his son feels about his, his father's legacy or anything. But like, I feel like on a business level today, like Trader Joe's is actually one of the like less awful places you can shop at. Oh yeah. Um, That's great. And I actually, I was surprised cause I told my dad, I was like, Oh, did you know the Trader Joe's was owned by this, this guy who's a Nazi? Um, and he was a little bit more like uh, open-minded about it than I would have thought uh, as we are descendants of Holocaust survivors and not survivors where he was like, you know, everyone in Germany of a certain age, he was like, they were conscripted into the army. Exactly. So like it right. doesn't necessarily mean that they. No. And that's, and that's true. Cause also this was um, a few years ago, this was discussed on a bunch of Yelp boards, which I looked into right. and people were like, Oh, did you know that they were Nazis? And some of the responses were like, well, their father worked in a mine and their mom ran a grocery store and they were really poor. And they were like, oh, we have to learn how to run a grocery store so we don't end up working in the mines and dying. And then they were conscripted. So it's not like they were like super jazzed to join the not like we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. The, the, the Ikea guy, on the other hand, I think we yeah. have more ev- evidence that he was super into it. Like well, he yeah. was a there was yeah. a book. Um, by apologized. Elizabeth Asbrink. Yeah, he it all, he said um, at one point he said that he I guess quote it was youthful stupidity and the greatest mistake of his life. But the the woman who wrote the book Elizabeth Asbrink um, said that he actively recruited people that he was you know involved for a long time. So it seems like a bit of a more active thing. But at the same time, IKEA is so much cheaper than everything. I just want it to not be true. Well, we knew IKEA was evil for other reasons, which is that they like like H and M and these other kind of like fast yeah. manufacturing fast companies anything. where you're like, how is it so cheap? Uh is that they yeah. like throw everything away rather than like give it to people who could use it, which I still don't even understand why they do that. Yeah. Um and that was also something, I think that's just a grocery store policy. Like, you well, throw yeah. out a lot of food at grocery stores that has just gone bad or, like, you know, could still be eaten, technically. Um, yeah. And you, like, have to throw it out, even That though- stuff drives me crazy. And that's yeah, actually like, one of the things... This food. Yeah, and that's one of the things that Trader Joe's is actually, like, really good with, is that they do not do the thing that all of the bigger mainstream grocery stores do, 
where they buy like a huge pile of food just so you can have the image of a wall of food when you walk in and be like like reassured in the idea that you live in a land of plenty like Trader Joe's runs out of things a lot especially in Silver Lake (laughs) they do Um, and then they push other things in front that's our secret method right (laughs) if you want to get the newest stuff at Trader Joe's go to all the way to the back of the row that's my my insider tip like in the vegetables, um, it'll have like the the stuff that expires soonest will be at the front. I think that's okay. usually most grocery stores, isn't it? <laughs> hmm. But, but they also tip. they also do like the the whoever's the not the owner owner but the the founder or the, not founder. I don't know what the title is, but he runs like a kind of um, like produce thrift store in some inner city neighborhoods where people can access fresh produce for like an affordable price um, that's run by Trader Joe's. I think it's called Daily Table. Um, I mean, like that stuff I think is really good and like addresses a big problem that nobody talks about, which is like how much food is going to waste when so many people are, are don't have enough to eat in the world. And yeah, I mean, also when I worked there, there were like career people there. There were a lot of people who were working there who were trying to like do creative stuff and it was their day job. But there were also a lot of people who just worked at Trader Joe's and that was their, their living. And if you work there long enough, uh, I don't know if this is still true, but like you could get a decent health care, I believe. So in other ways, yeah. it seemed like it was better for workers than, than like other Ralph's grocery stores. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ralph's, which is known, <clears throat> well known for union busting. Um, there's a great post. Uh, I think it's on the. Uh, no, I won't remember. Uh, there's a great post about the origins of Ralph's that I love um, about just sort of the invention of the the American specifically the Californian grocery store with the big pile of oranges and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Um, I love thinking about stuff like that. It's like Whitman-ish. Yeah. <laughs> thinking, speaking um, of uh, evil empires that uh, provide pleasure to people. When are we um, not talking about evil empires on night call? <laughs> uh, we were going to talk about the winter Olympics for a moment. Yeah, man. Emily. Um, well, I'll say, so we haven't, we haven't, an interpod, not inter, intrapod um, debate because um, some of you may know Molly. And I mean, I think we're all supportive, um, but Molly especially is like really leading the, the, the no Olympics in LA charge. Um, and just, you know, kind of highlight, I think you've been doing a lot of really good work highlighting all the ways in which Olympics usually fuck over the cities that they uh, take place in and are really bad for homeless populations and the environment and a bazillion other things and mostly just exist to make rich people rich with construction and stuff like that. Um, on the other hand, figure skating <laughs> is so great. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is like, we're not anti figure skating. We're not anti sports. And there are other places to watch figure skating that aren't. Yeah. I mean, we wish that the the problem with the Olympics, too, is the idea that these like lesser known sports and especially like sports featuring female athletes that get featured during the Olympics and no other time. Yeah. It's like we could show those on TV more anyway. We just don't. We only focus on the big male dominated sports leagues. I mean, like I, so, you know, before the Olympics started, I was like, Molly, I, I know, like, I, I don't want to, you know, detract from the cause, but like, I have to watch figure skating. So I've been trying not to watch the other sports, but then like, they'll do the thing where they're, you know, they show a block of figure skating and then they'll switch over to show the downhill skiing that's happening at the same time. And the, it's true. Like there are, there are like female skiers that are just, it makes me so happy to watch like these, like really talented women like do something incredible and superhuman like go down a hill super fast and be so tough in a way that you never get to see from sports on especially not on television uh any other time of the year and so i'm 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 very i'm very pulled in two directions right now look it's okay to watch the olympics it's not we're not like you know it's it's not a full like you can't enjoy any of this we acknowledge that it's pleasurable because again there's a lot of stuff about fascism that's really uh, seductive and that's why people like these things. It's more the like the interstitial segments where they do the the propaganda segments about like this athlete overcame so much, you know, so many things to come to the Olympics. And now if they're great, it's going to be the greatest moment of their life. And, you know, those athletes do not get paid well. Um, most of them are like, you know, they don't pay for them to come to the Olympics. They have to pay for it themselves or the team has to pay. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I'm not against an international sports competition. Uh, I'm just pro disbanding the IOC. Right. Completely. It's awful. Overhauling the way that the Olympics happen and uh, being a Debbie Downer who tells people stuff about like, did you know that that beautiful ski run uh, they raised an ancient forest in Korea for? Yeah. Because they did. Yeah. <laughs> By the no, way. it sucks. I um, mean. But I, I love figure skating. Yeah. And I think I think that um, one fun thing about figure skating this year is that um, we are now living in a post Yuri on Ice figure skating world. And there has already been at least one performance or one um, skate by a, a pair from Japan done to music from Yuri on Ice. Yuri on Ice is a animated an, an anime show from japan about ice skaters about male ice skaters and it is the best male ice um, skaters and homoeroticism and it's yeah it's delightful. a deeply homoerotic show about beautiful men who can do triple axles and quads and um also like to hug and <laughs> it's great was this uh, the, the skating moment that made you cry <laughs> um, I, I teared up for that, that pair skate, which wasn't even that great of a pair skate, but the music that they did it to is like this, it's like not the theme song of the show, but it's, um, the, the, the skate that, that Yuri, the title character does is his free, his freestyle skate when he's going, um, working his way up to the world's. And it is so, it's the piano theme. It's so beautiful. Uh, it makes you just like want to root for whoever you're watching while they're, while they're um, skating to it because it's just like so gentle and just like sounds like trying really, it just is the sound of like trying really hard and like the, 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 the triumph of the human spirit or something. <laughs> I'm just glad people have moved away from like only skating to the same thing. I feel like everybody's Well, to, like, there was already out. a, there was already a Swan Lake. Um, yeah, like skate to, you know, skate to Skrillex. I'm into that. Well, what would you skate to? Ooh, good oh, question. It's just such a good question. Well, Tess, first I wanted to say you're probably the only one of us who actually played winter sports. Oh, my God. Oh, when are you oh tell my us? God. You you had to out her. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you could even say I played winter sports. <laughs> I think I was played by winter sports. I, uh, I went to a school briefly. For three years, where um, sports were a very important part of the curriculum, and it was uh, in addition to to you know PE, we had mandatory team sports. Um, man- I just had I, sh- just I literally shuddered. shuddered. Yeah. I shuddered. I also shuddered when you said <laughs> mandatory team sports. It was it was honestly I was um I I was just talking about whether or not to sign one of my kids up for basketball, and I remembered I had a. Uh, I had anxiety-induced eczema playing, <gasps> oh. yeah, on the insides of my elbows oh playing my basketball, and uh, and that was not even my least favorite sport I had to play there. But yeah, I did co-ed ice hockey. That sounds when I was miserable. That no, sounds was so awful. That also seems really cruel to do to prepubescent. It yeah. was so cruel. And I was telling, uh, I was talking with my husband about this, and I was like, you know, when I ever think about like, could I go to war? I remember what it was like to be like suited up with all of this protective gear and the mouth guard. Like I could never get the hang of the mouth guard. And I think I molded it wrong. Like you don't get in the hot water and you do the whole thing. But I always felt like I was gagging on the mouth guard. I was like fat. So I also had like a lot of padding. And then you just see all these people with this objective of like they have the objective to win and you don't have the same objective because you're just so overwhelmed and like. They come You're just trying you. to survive. You're just trying to survive. And I mean, yeah, I would hide out and try and like skate, you know, lace my skates forever, which actually was like kind of also hard to do. Oh, yeah. That was my softball strategy because mm. I was always stuck in right field. So I would be spending a lot of time like drawing pictures with my cleats yeah. in, the, in the dirt. Yeah. I like wanted to be good at sports. I just was not. You were. No, but you did OK. No, right? I did not do. I mean, not as good as I wanted to be considering that my grandmother was like a Olympic level athlete. Uh, <laughs> which more on that in a future pod, maybe. But, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I've got these good athletic genes. And then I was like, no, I'm like three feet tall and like can't <laughs> do anything but maybe like gymnastics. Emily, what did you play? Um, I I played some softball. That was it. I I didn't play anything officially or, or competitively after mm, seventh grade. 
Um, I would play tennis sometimes because I lived by the school and I was by the tennis courts. And so I could, but I, I was not good at it. It was just a thing to do. Um, Who would have thought that three unathletic, <laughs> cool kids would grow up to be writers with a podcast? Oh, who would have thought? Who would have to be three brains in a jar. Um, well, I, I before we before we wrap up figure skating, I just want to say that. Well, okay, so there's already been a bunch of stuff, a bunch of skating to Moulin Rouge. There was an ice dance to a Moulin Rouge medley. Um, that had a lot of people talking because it was very spicy and very touchy and um and then and they were canadian uh of course and then there um adam rapon who's kind of like the big I, he's one he's not necessarily the like most the biggest hope for a medal from the men's which is more exciting this year i have to say like the men's skating on on the american side is more exciting this year but he because he got like fourth place at nationals but then got sent to the american team anyway and he's the one who's been really outspoken about like mike pence and stuff he refused to meet with mike pence because he's gay and he's he's openly gay and he's like really just like i have i want nothing to do with our vice president so He's there have been a lot of really good like quotes from him for that. He had he had like kind of a disaster. I'm sorry. Am I showing how much I've been paying attention to ice skating right now? Uh, no, we forgive you. <laughs> no, but he uh, right, he check had, out noolympicsla.com. <laughs> but he had so this has nothing to do with the Olympics. He did have like a really bad like like kind of heartbreaking skate or like he made a lot of mistakes at the nationals. Um, but then got in anyway and skated for the team event at the Olympics and it he skated to Coldplay and it kind what of song? made me cry. I don't know the song. song. I, I don't know the song. It was a song with a really long instrumental part for the first half. And he it was just like he was like the song. best I've 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 seen him on any like YouTube clip that I've ever watched. And he was just like he, the performance just made me like so happy for him because he's just like having a moment right now and is very like um, yeah, just like the kind of person that you want to have like on a mic at the Olympics because they're gonna like say something about like fuck this administration. So oh, look, Emily. Yeah. Once Elon Musk outfits us all with our uh, robot skeletons that make us super strong, we'll all be able to ice skate and do triple axles, and we won't need the IOC. We'll just do oh, it on our own time. We'll be ice skating in space. Yeah. Um. I. The other thing, well, there's the, I think there's been a, just a lot of ice skating media recently. So I think that there's been renewed enthusiasm for it. It I, sounds Tanya, like you also have a Google alert for ice skating. <laughs> oh, well, no, I just follow some podcasts and I saw Itanya, which is not very good. But the ice skating scenes in Itanya are amazing. And I have a whole spiel now about how, wow, like, look what we can do with digital effects now. We should be making more ice skating movies. Um, where you can like map a face onto a skater and make it look like really cinematic and realistic because we can do that now. Instead, all we use VFX for are like car crashes and explosions still and space battles. We could have like 10 ice skating movies. Oh, a live action Yuri on ice. We could actually have all of these things. We could have car crashes and and skating and explosions. No, I don't need, I don't mean to leave out explosions. That sounds like like the best movie ever. It does, doesn't it? Um, um, I had an ice skating birthday party once as a child. During I got invited the, to one during the eighties uh, craze for ice skating rinks in malls, which is how Tanya Harding got into ice skating. You yeah. didn't have it at the Culver City rink. No, there was a mall. There was a ice skating rink in the Laurel Plaza Mall, which uh, oh, wow. got destroyed by the earthquake, the, Nor- the Northridge <laughs> earthquake, um, and has been a just kind of a pile of bones ever since. Um, I loved that ice skating rink. I, I loved that whole mall with its orange Julius. Mm. Let's go Maybe to the, let's just go to the Culver all, Rink next time we're all in LA. Guys, I would love to. That'd be great. We're um, going to make Tess play ice hockey. I just, I just shrank back. I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll just drive the Zamboni. Oh, I love the Zamboni. Oh, a space Zamboni. That's the end of this episode. <laughs> That's what we should send in That's space. it. I agree. That's perfect. So I think we're going to turn it over to one of our night call uh, listener questions. If you also have a question or a thought in your head for us to answer, you can give us a call at 24046-NIGHT. It doesn't have to be at night. And uh, we will try and get to your question on the air. Okay, so looks like today we have a question about Paddington 2 loosely. Hey, what's up, nighties? Uh, Colin... uh in because I want to reopen that padding two bag. 
I don't want to leave that close. There's too much to talk about. This movie rules too hard. Um, so I have voice blindness. It's not a real thing, but I can't really tell people apart on podcasts till like the 13th episode. So my apologies. I don't remember who exactly said this, but they mentioned how before they saw Paddington 2 that, uh, they saw a bevy of terrible trailers as did I. I had the very same experience where I counted five trailers that had extended fart jokes as a part of their advertising for all these kids' movies. Before I saw the film, I was just so angry. But then after I saw Paddington, I just felt so sad that kids' movies feel like they have to do this. They have to appeal to the the cheapest part of being a kid. Uh, I know I can make my uh, seven-year-old nephew laugh by just going, hey, farts. And he will laugh because that's the level of humor he's at. But it, it just made me sad that so many kids' films don't try. So why? Why don't you think more kids' films try? Is it is it just that it works? Like, wh- wh- why aren't kids' films more, like, experimental and fun? I think that's what I really appreciate about Padding 2 is, like, it reminded me of my, my favorite kids' movies, like Mary Poppins and Willy Wonka, where, like, the world doesn't make sense, because who cares? It's a kids' movie, so let's just explore and have fun and do crazy things and break the laws of physics and reality, because it's a kids' movie. Who cares? It's not fun. Why don't you think more kids' films do that? Why are they so rigidly structured like a Pixar film or, 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 or rely on so much uh, uh, really awful base-level humor? I'm just curious why you think that is. All right. Love the show already, guys. Looking forward to more. Bye. Well, I think we kind of maybe undermined whatever we're about to say next because I know that I laughed when he just said, farts. Um, <laughs> but that was a great call. Um, thank you. Was that Colin? What was his name? I don't know if that person identified themselves, maybe because they knew that they would be stalked by us. We can call them okay. Paddington. Yeah. Well, that was a great call from our Paddington Lover 69. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would be interested to know what Tess thinks of this, having um, young people to entertain in your life. and So many children. Well, I do have to say that in defense of fart jokes, as if they needed defending, um, I was having a hard time coming up with TV shows to watch with my kids. And I found a show called All Hail King Julian that is a spinoff show for Madagascar. And uh, and there was one episode that won me over where King Julian's a lemur and he is the king of all of these lemurs in Madagascar, obviously. And uh, they're all kind of like, you know, just a motley crew. They can't really get anything done. And uh, at some point... They discover coffee, which King Julian brands as a brown Julian, and they all start drinking coffee and they're all really productive in the kingdom. And then they all start just like zonking out and falling asleep on, you know, falling out of trees. But it was I was like, this is so good because it's clearly addressing parents need for coffee and how we all are like exactly like these lemurs where we're like we're so productive we're so productive and then by the time we're watching this with our kids we're like oh just a shell of a human (laughs) um but i mean i think people are very protective of the media their their children consume i mean i think emily you may have been the one to send me something about the you know youtube the like there was an article about how uh you know you the youtube videos where it takes all these familiar characters to kids and then it's kind of just assembled by algorithm and they're yeah, really violent like, oh, yeah so just i think like, that there's something of like you trust pixar to not fuck your kids up that way uh and so hence the rigid structure which is also obviously geared toward merchandising um but yeah i mean when i was a kid like i was definitely watching like bed knobs and broomsticks like the more kind of absurdist children's movies and now it's i haven't seen paddington 2 yet it's very bed knobs and broomsticks well, there's yeah, actually yeah. i think there's like a scene with some some uh night armor that i thought oh this is just like bed knobs yeah. and broomsticks no wonder i like it that movie is the best it is the yeah. best and especially i mean honestly home alone i watched with my kids not long ago and i was like home alone's so good because it takes a fantasy of not of you know having the house to yourself and like nobody to tell you what to do and then it turns it into a nightmare and then it kind of redeems it but it goes through all of these iterations of exploring like when a kid is thinking about this objective and then 
like all of the different ways it can play out. I've, I loved Home Alone. I was the I kid see, who I was can... put off by the violence. Yeah, no, I, I was too. I was about to say that. Yeah. Like I had to review. It was very interesting to come from Paddington 2 to reviewing Peter Rabbit this past week because oh, yeah. they deceptively seem like things that would be very similar or very British, like a CGI, a cute CGI animal interacting with, with human characters. But like you really see the difference between two kind of... Um, I guess approaches to children's material and so much of Peter Rabbit is about uh, how he's just like bashing Domhnall Gleeson over the head and electrocuting him at one point like in multiple points electrocuting him and it's like so violent and I I think if I was a kid I would just be really stressed out by it because it's just about him getting bashed around. Well, dude, have you read the books recently? Because no, the books no, they are aren't. so macabre. It's no, they're very macabre, yeah. But they're the not thing like, is like, well, his mom's violence. a widow because his dad was baked in a pie by yeah. Mr. McGregor. And then Benjamin Bunny, who's like his cousin, mm-hmm. in the Benjamin Bunny book, there's a whole scene where he gets beaten with a switch. Yeah. And I was, I felt, I had my old copy and I was like, I will read you this before bed. And I was just like, uh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. There's a bunny beating another bunny. I mean, I think that like good kids things have a little darkness in them always. Yeah. And like, like Maurice Sendak's books and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Bad kid things treat kids like idiots yeah. uh, and are condescending. And then sometimes like I'm thinking of DreamWorks movies specifically are like, you know, treat kids like idiots and then like wink at the adults being like, right. Hey, we know you're here too. Like that's why Angelina Jolie is the shark, which <laughs> I, think- I also so hate yeah i think that one one of the trailers that he's referring to and maybe you saw this before paddington to molly was the teen titans go to the movies trailer which has a really really long fart joke in it and i saw that before i saw that before peter rabbit and i was just like yeah i mean this sucks like i hated all the trailers up to and very much including the wes anderson island of dogs oh, trailer which yeah. made me angry in a different way yeah. you know wait tell me about the island of dogs oh trailers. we have to we have a whole different we'll podcast do a whole episode <laughs> about it because it's like it manages to be like stupid and racist seeming and twee just everything i hate in a movie we're gonna go in on it sorry to all you wes anderson stands but we're we're, we're gonna torch we're coming from the island oh, of made dogs me, made me mad it's a stop motion movie but um for some reason i'm also now thinking about the trailer i saw before 50 shades uh freed which was also a children's movie also a children's movie um, although they omitted the part from the final book where uh, the baby kicks inside Anastasia and she says, the baby likes sex, too. Ugh. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> so they didn't put that part in the movie. Oh, my God. The books are such a nightmare. Oh. Um, <laughs> but there was a long trailer for a movie uh, that made me angry because it's a movie called Blockers with a rooster at the front because it's like cock blockers. But like they can't say cock for some reason. And it was like the whole trailer was just a lead up to a really long joke about John Cena, the wrestler, who I guess is an actor now, butt chugging. Uh, and I was also like, who who thinks this is that funny? Like, it's maybe, I don't know, just like the way the joke was set up and executed. I was like, it's not that this couldn't be funny, but just like how, how they're doing it is so like, this is what we think a comedy is like. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know. You know what was a really good kids movie, but not in its entirety, but just like a slice of it was Flight of the Navigator when he's when he's just dealing with the creatures in the jars on the ship. You I don't know, think I've ever seen that one. It's pretty janky. Sarah Jessica <clears throat> Parker's in it oh. in a bit role, but like it, I remember, if I could isolate like something that I would want to expand on for a movie, it's a kid on a spaceship just like rocking out to the Beach Boys and playing with little finger puppets that are supposed to represent extraterrestrial life. I like how all of your only child fantasies were about like, I'm a child, but I'm an adult. Yeah, now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still living that life. Um, well, well, great thank question, you for the Paddington. call. Yeah, well, great call. Great question. Um, and if you have... A question or a musing or a theory or a conspiracy theory you can leave it for us at one two four oh four six night or email us at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com and we will address it i think that does we'll it for our you. show this week we're good we have to drive off into the cosmos now yeah we gotta we gotta <laughs> drive our our classic car into the into space it's a zamboni now it's a zamboni we're doing the hand jive yep (laughs) into space (laughs) i knew it would end this way Uh, well (laughs) all right we'll see everybody next week
This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 